Welcome back to Motorsports Tech Talk with your hosts, Brian and Eric. Eric, how's it going? It's the weekend, holidays, I'm just living the dream, man. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. I uh, I got my, uh, I almost had my sim rig up and running, so oh, fuck yeah. that's going to be sweet. I, I haven't done too much of the sim racing up till now, so I really want to get into that. So I just went all in on a setup, but a, just a couple pieces yeah waiting to go in that's awesome i racing yeah probably mostly i racing maybe like a set of corsa sure yeah yeah it's a little more open source i think yeah yeah you you had a you had a little bit of racing this weekend too yeah i did uh we raced 50 cc uh honda dirt bikes with street tires on them at a local indoor cart track facility yeah so. how'd that uh how'd that go for you well uh not great but also great right we were we were slow granted it was the first time everybody on my team including me has done that um i think there's some things we need to do to the setup so it, it's annoying when you're fantastically slow uh but we ran the whole time everyone had fun no one got hurt so it's hard to complain yeah, yeah. I mean, but next it. time taking scalps, <laughs> gonna win. <laughs> I mean, you're doing it for the fun at the end of the day, right? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, but we're all we're so competitive that you don't want to. Yeah, it's sort of the downside, right? You always yeah. race, and you just like I gotta fuck, I gotta win. And so it's really disappointing. What's well, disappointing when you don't? Yeah, it's really heartbreaking to be as far down as we were. <laughs> but it, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's there's definitely that sweet spot of if, in a lot of things where you're where you can have almost like the most fun per almost like effort put in. Like if, mm-hmm. if you're taking it too seriously and you're not winning, then you're going to be upset. Yeah. But if you're like not taking it serious at all and you're still not winning, which you know, right. it wouldn't be surprising. Then you're still having a lot of fun. But right. But being in the back, maybe there's you're not even competing or something. Like that's. <laughs> that's where it might get a little uh, not as fun but right but yeah just just get up there a little bit and i think it'll be even better but i mean right now it's the funds per dollar is pretty good yeah, yeah. right uh 50 cc honda bikes can go a full two hours without filling it with any more gas there you go and didn't even use a gallon <laughs> um you know those indoor car tracks are meant for their own tire longevity so it certainly helps ours and doesn't even really show any signs of wear there you go so really the only cost really is uh registration so mm. yeah. 60 bucks for three people to run for three hours find me a better deal than that that's yeah, pretty good it's yeah. pretty good yeah but um i guess uh big news coming out i guess huge for- news for uh, kind of for us, a lot of friend circle and you know, all that kind of stuff, and I mean motorsports in general as well. Yep. But it kind of hits home for us. But uh, uh, this week we had got news of, uh, of Oshkosh Defense purchasing Pratt and Miller for one hundred and fifteen million dollars. Was that the the price? Yeah. Oh fuck! So. <laughs> uh, Based off speculation from, I think, the New York Times, 
Joe Rogan could have almost bought Pratt Miller with his Spotify money. Yeah, basically. That's sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of questions coming around with a. a I mean, Pratt Miller did defense work, obviously. Mm-hmm. We both did some of that. Um, but there's questions in the motorsports world of what's going to happen with Pratt Miller. You know, everybody knows them as uh, building the Corvettes, the, you know, the GTLM cars. Yeah, they're kind of that guiding force behind that. I mean, GM might not, you know, they don't advertise it as the Pratt Miller Corvette, but a lot of the, I know a lot of the IMSA announcers, a lot of times they'll they'll call it the Pratt Miller Corvette, probably against the wishes of GM. But, you know, I it's, so. those are the people, those, those are the boots on the ground are the, the Pratt Miller guys. And, you know, they've done all the, the work building, running, uh, running the cars over the last, I don't know, since the C5R, right? Yeah. Um, C5R was the the big name, or uh, when they got the big Corvette name. And they started doing more and more with GM. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was kind of a, a gradual slope, right? Because back in the day, K-Tech used to make the engines. You know, mm-hmm. now if you go look at the race car, that's actually made by GM. GM runs it and tests it on their dyno. and um, So GM has become more involved. So it's kind of hard to say, like, exactly when. You know which car was the the one? Yeah, but but I guess yeah, that was their kind of first big name program. I think before that there was some some of the IMSA prototype stuff that they did. There were there yep. was some some Chevy or GM support, but yeah, that yep. was kind of the big program that kind of vaulted them to to start growing growing the company and kind of what it eventually became today. Right. Um, but yeah, so you know, race fans may recognize that name Pratt Miller, but like, but right now it's really uh, in IMSA they're kind of one of the the last teams left in in the GTLM class with BMW. I th- I believe just doing a, the endurance rounds and, and Porsche pulling out it yep. potentially leaves that class kind of well it leaves that class open, um, you know, and then I mean we can I guess. Well, might as well just get into it now, but you know, there's there's been rumors in the paddock about IMSA trying to merge GT3 with or G, the class is GTD, but they're GT3 cars, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to merge uh, that GT3 car with uh, GTLM, come mm-hmm. out with something. Um, you know, so the field's bigger and just yeah, a lot more cool. competition, but I'm sure. Th- I mean, just speculating, I imagine that some pushback there would be having a factory program versus the, the customer programs is going to be, because that, that was already kind of the, I know there was a little bit of contention between the, the whole Honda, I, I believe the Honda GT3 cars, because it was, it was at one point almost kind of a factory supported program. Like they, they give them money towards the cars is my understanding and that kind of thing, but leaving gt3 is supposed to all be about customer racing programs so yeah so having a factory team like the corvette racing team would be uh you know it could be a challenge to to balance them out but you know they have bop yeah they have bop and there's there's some other series who um adjust bop based off of things like driver rankings Hmm. so they could do that too potentially if they wanted with um you know, okay, your manufacturer supported, well, you get an extra, uh, whatever they feel it's worth, you know, 
a smaller fuel restrictor for refilling or mm-hmm. more weight, whatever they want to do, right? But yeah, and um, they could they could always put some bronze and silvers in there too if they had to. Yeah, they could force thing. the the driver rating. Yeah. So, but 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 either way, the I guess this that announcement it put it in a question for a lot of people uh, when you combined it. I guess the the future of the program when you combine it with the other announcement that came out. Uh, that Doug Feehan was, I mean, depends on which one you read, was either stepping down or was forced out. Uh, right. Uh, I don't know if anyone's confirmed either one, but, you know, he was the program manager of Corvette Racing, and so people, a lot of people are speculating with, with him leaving, with Brett Miller being sold, like, what what does this mean for the race program, so. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, as a side note, to be clear, everything we're doing here is speculating yes right but um yeah i don't know it it definitely throws it up into question right um doug feehan was a huge proponent of corvette racing he like he loved it right um i mean that was pretty obvious um so if he's not there is someone gonna fight to have gm keep spending that money Mm -hmm. on corvette racing because racing is not cheap um Especially like the GTLM car, which you know we we just kind of talked about. Maybe that class is disappearing, but when you get the manufacturers duking it out, that cost adds up pretty quick. Um, so it, it does throw into question, you know, of, are they gonna have the monies? You know, uh, I do know that Mark Royce, um, He's moved around at GM. I'm not sure mm-hmm. his official title right now, um, but he's a huge fan of racing. Yeah, um, and he's pretty high up in GM. Uh, you may recognize that name as the uh, he was the guy who sort of lost the new ZR1 uh, pace car at mm-hmm. the Detroit Belle Isle Grand Prix uh, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. They, they should check, they should check his tire pressures. Yeah, they should. Point two psi low or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, he he does believe a lot um, in the technology transfer that you know uh, Feehan mentioned a lot. Um, but he also sees that it's a it's a bonus or I guess a morale boost um, to GM employees in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were still at Pratt at the time, but he came to one of our meetings, the mm-hmm. summit. So uh, the summit's where we all get together, all the management, every employee, and have a big little powwow mm-hmm. meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to call them the uh, free food meetings. Yeah, they uh, they fed us lunch, <laughs> and I'd, it was actually really good food. Yeah, it usually was. They it didn't was, disappoint there. Yeah, they, they didn't let us down, for sure. <laughs> Uh, so that was the highlight of Brian's. <laughs> Tell what he cares about. Yeah, no. If there was a big meeting, I, my first question would be: Is there is there lunch? If not, then you know maybe I'd question. Maybe because there's a lot of good places to eat in New Hudson, Michigan, and uh, oh yeah, or at no least way. outside of it. And, yeah, and uh, it take a lot, it definitely takes some free food to get me away from those places. Yeah, well, I mean. And actually, you did have a lot of work generally, so I was like, ah, I can <laughs> not go to a meeting and get some stuff done, but yeah, eh, good free food. That's hard to argue with. <laughs> but, 
But anyways, uh, you know, Mark Royce was telling us about uh, the morale boost, um, you know, especially around a little after 2008, you know, when when they had the transition to like new GM, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could look out there and see Corvettes winning races, which is pretty sweet, right? That's your yeah. team. That's yeah, everyone likes that's it. your guys likes a team to root for, and if it's it's you know yeah it's, it's for, them for right? people it's, that work there. GM, it was, it was yeah, GM, Chevy. So. so you know maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll be a driving force to keep it going. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, but the losing Feehan, I think, is, is certainly a risk. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, whenever you lose that kind of continuity between, the, the, there's there's always going to be some information loss. So it's. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes in to replace them is gonna yeah might have different ideas for the program or, or right. just the future of it. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because I mean when you have because you also have you know Oshkosh taking over Pratt Miller. So how how are they gonna be you know how open are they gonna be to that racing program? It, um, right. Yeah, I, I don't know the legalities of it, but it would Oshkosh have to deal with GM to get a racing contract like i don't yeah i met i imagine so yeah so yeah and you know oshkosh i guess for those who don't know oshkosh defense they do uh military contracts i think the biggest one they're known for right now is jltv yep um so that's the replacement for the humvee yep and so awesome (laughs) and absolutely massive yeah huge (laughs) if you think a a hummer's big yeah it's it's a peanut compared it's, to the JLTV. yeah but uh and those, those things are sweet but yeah so but they're not known for racing in any way whatsoever as far as i know right um I, I, looking into it my, my understanding is the uh, the ceo has a little bit of he, he does some motorsports on the side but i mean mm-hmm. ultimately it's it's a publicly traded company i mean they got he's got to do what 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 the shareholders want so if if right. for them corporate racing isn't worth it than or any other racing programs they only support indycar and nascar and so it'll i mean it'll depend maybe maybe some of those programs stay some go it's it's just but it's now out of potentially a little bit out of pratt miller's hands right a little more in oshkosh's hands yeah absolutely and it's a shame you know like when you have someone high up who likes racing it's always good right or at least if you're a racing fan it's good Mm -hmm. you know um but that is the downside of a publicly traded company is you are you know, accountable to your shareholders and generally a board. And, you know, if, if they don't think there's work, you know, um, I guess a, a positive return more than your feel goods, more than you like watching racing. Yeah. You know, it may not happen, which is also, I don't know, it, I guess it might be a little disappointing in all racing fronts because... I often at least thought to myself that, you know, what if GM one day is like, nah, we don't really want to race, right? Uh, racing is very fickle, mm-hmm. uh, super, super unstable. So it wouldn't be a huge surprise. Disappointing, but, you know, mm-hmm. no one stays in racing for that long generally. Uh, I think GM and Brad Miller have the longest uh, connection out of any any race group, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's really cool, but you know, generally when I would think about what if GM didn't want to do it, 
my go-to would be like, ah, well, Proud Miller is a good team. Mm -hmm. Good designers. Good. Good everybody, really. Good pit crew, you know. Um, I mean, Dan Binks retired, but he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, everyone there is talented, so my thought always was another manufacturer would pick them up. Yeah. If GM told Pratt Miller they were done, there'd I would assume there'd be a line. Yeah. Right. Oh look, Ford wants to get back into racing, or uh, you know. Yeah, someone. Maybe Porsche owns fifty-one percent of Manti, but hey, <laughs> Pratt Miller's free. Yeah. Right. Because Core was basically doing their North America GT stuff, Core Autosport, I believe. Um, so yeah, like companies like that that were doing other people's programs. Yeah, you know, now Pratt Miller with all that history and success. Yeah, they they would look. They would look pretty. Uh, they'd be high on the list of people of, of manufacturers, like say like Hyundai or something. Want, wants to get into right. M's or something. Who knows? It could be someone who hasn't been there. Like, well, now these guys are available. Yeah, that would be the team to talk to, really. Yeah, but if if uh, if the manufacturers have to deal with Oshkosh. Which again, I don't. I don't really know if yeah. they would. I'm. I'm just assuming they will. That might sort of throw a wrench into the that line of thinking. Yeah, it's it's because it, yeah, I don't. It, it depends on which way they go. I mean, because a contract is a contract. I, just because you're making a race car or a tank, or it, ultimately, I mean, it's some cause someone's giving you money and you're making something for them. So, I think maybe you know, as speculating, maybe. In the future, I mean, there's a lot of really smart guys in the Corvette design, you know, Pratt Miller Corvette design office. Oh, yeah. Maybe they want to allocate those guys to more lucrative programs or, or, or something like that. So that could be maybe where that starts to to kind of uh, there could start to be problems for wanting wanting that contract versus something else that may be more uh, more profitable or, or something. Sure. So. But as of now, our, our understanding is at least for this next season, it sounds like they're uh, still full steam ahead. I, I, I was looking at their Facebook page when they made the announcement and, you know, the comments from the 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 Facebook page manager, which I imagine is, uh, I believe I know who it is, you know, from, from working there. But they would they were responding that, you know, they're, they're still planning on Daytona and everything. So as far as, like, the official outlets, it looks like at least for – Next season, they're still they're st- still going forward. I don't know if what that means for Lamar or anything like that. But as far as IMSA, and Daytona, right. yeah, I mean, COVID really kind of screwed with Lamar. But yeah, yeah, I certainly believe that they'll they'll run that car as long as they can, mm-hmm. right? So outside of the aforementioned, you know, maybe blend of GTD and GTLM, um, I mean, GM spent a pretty penny. Uh, on those cars and i mean a lot of that comes into like engineering and testing and yeah that's all done like the the big upfront cost is paid for so i would have imagined they'll run it for as long as they can you yeah know? yeah so yeah and uh i mean and there could be some other opportunities too i mean you got the new uh uh hypercar class I mean, yep. the, the car would have to be changed, but you know, there's there's other opportunities for GM to look at other classes and and everything for maybe more competition or yeah, that, w- that would be cool, right? Porsche's going to they're going to make a LMDH car, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is that hypercar class you just mentioned. Yes, 
yeah and so it so there's opportunities there like you know you don't know what the future holds but and like you said but like you said that racing programs they can be very fickle it's you know they can just decide that eh, this this isn't the year for us to to keep doing this or and then uh, but maybe they come back maybe they you know it's just but we're yeah. not sure so as far as we can tell they're still they'll still be racing in the short term so but you know it brings in the question long term what's going to happen with them because like you said I, I believe that's probably one of the longest continuous racing pro like factory supported racing programs in the business right now yeah so i mean maybe only rivaled by like formula one programs like like ferrari or i imagine they yeah but that's all that. like in-house isn't it yeah basically so yeah. as far as yeah as far as a a kind of a, a contracted out racing program yeah I, I can't think of really any others like that so it's uh yeah i mean hopefully they they keep it together we all we all love watching those corvettes and really any yeah, racing so yeah yeah it's it'd be it'd be nice to see them keep going and you know, and you can't predict the future so i guess just roll with the punches they're all talented people so i'm sure it'll work out great yeah but it'll be it'll be interesting to see where things go yeah so you know yeah i mean uh, having us having worked uh, a bit on the defense side of the company it, it does seem like it's it's where they want to be going kind of they've always wanted to do larger scale mm-hmm. uh, defense type programs and everything so this might be the avenue for that but but yeah so we'll have to see what happens with the racing but the, the company really revolves around the racing program so i think it'd be hard at least in the short term to just kind of get rid of it and expect people to be happy there and everything so yeah, it'd be difficult so yeah but speaking of fast corvettes mm, mm, mm. move on down to our amateur racing <laughs> side yeah bill riley yeah so uh those of you who might be champ car racers among our listener base um if you all two of our listeners <laughs> if yeah if you've been racing champ car over this last year you might have seen a a, a very fast corvette uh driving around and and whooping whooping some butts uh, uh the one that comes to mind the most is there i believe it was 11 lap win at, at indy um and you know it it's got it's got a big name like Bill Riley behind it. You you expect them to be competitive. I mean, they have in the past. They they re- previously had a Camaro that was very very fast, but lacked the fuel range and um, and it relied heavily on getting those cautions to to be to 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 finish well. But it still would finish well. It's, it had some reliability problems sometimes, but but their new car. Uh, their new car has caused quite a quite a stir in the champ car community and, and kind of in the amateur racing community because yeah you know, a lot of people do do different you know race in different series AR WRL champ car lemons whatever mm-hmm. so there's a lot of people who are, are paying attention to it I I know a lot of people on that champ car Facebook page you know get might all even, riled up they they might not even race champ car and get yeah get riled up or maybe they want to in the future or something or they just like to follow it but. Uh, but yeah, it's you know it's it can be controversial when someone gets beat that bad. I mean, 
I, I mean, I don't always, some people like to just immediately go, oh, they're, they're cheating or, or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's always the case. I don't think that's the case here either. Uh, but um, I was at that Indianapolis race, fortunately, in a much, much slower car and uh, not having as, as good as luck as they did. But, uh, but right. I, I get, I got to go. I got to go to the impound and, and really check check out the car. I took some pictures. Really got got a good good eye on it. And yeah, it's it's got some definitely has some controversial parts on it. More, I guess, kind of the 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 main controversy is not controversy isn't just how fast they are, or the name behind it or anything. It's more uh, some people feel that there was some uh, concessions made specifically for them for for some of the mods they did to the car so i think the one that comes to mind first is so the car is a i believe a 1978 c3 corvette Mm -hmm. um but it has a c4 rear suspension on it now kind of a couple notable things um with that change where you think oh i mean you know i'm sure it's c4 it's updated it's better but um one thing I was recently made aware of is that the C3 uses, uh, I believe it's, I guess, structural or not sprung, but uses structural half shafts in the, in the rear suspension. Yeah. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Yes. So, um, and yeah, it's got some goofy stuff going on that, that, that suspension, uh, is definitely, it, it was carried over kind of over the years from, I believe some of the previous. So it's, it's got some weird quirks, most, mostly being that, that, the kind of structural loaded uh drive shaft so i mean it, i'm sure it worked okay in the stock you know in the original car i, I don't know I, I don't know what the back in the 70s the the recalls were on that or anything or if there's customer complaints but uh, i think where the 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 interesting part of that is when you put the giant wheels and tires like they did they're running 335 wide uh bfg rival s's uh front and rear when you put those giant tires on there and up the horsepower by double or so and 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 put it on a racetrack where you're hitting curbs and everything like how well would that original suspension have held up yeah so i guess the but the most controversial part of this whole swap was that it was give or it was allowed at just a flat 50 points so if you're familiar with champ cars point system, all cars have a base value. And then from there you can add mods up to basically up to 500 points where you start getting penalty laps. And so 50 points for that entire swab, including the diff, the half shafts, all the suspension arms, the shock and and that assembly. So all that for 50 points is quite a bit when the normally there's, it wasn't specifically in the rule book, but normally, uh, or, you know, that, that 50 point swap wasn't, but how it, I guess most people expected it to be valued is each part, basically individually, a diff is 25 points, each suspension member is 10. So when you add all those up, you'd be much, much more than 50 points there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess another, I guess another thing with this car is that it, it was, it started at, I believe 150 points. So it's already really low, but I mean, you took... You, know, you take a C3 off the road from the 70s and and throw it on a racetrack. I, yeah, it's about where I'd expect it to be. Honestly, yeah, I, mean, I think it would, I think Miatas would still be faster than it. Yeah, I mean, it's heavy. It's you know, suspension's pretty 
old fashioned and you know yep. and the reliability would probably be questionable yeah well and i mean and how much power did it make in 1978 it's like 200 something 220 or yeah. something like that so it's not like it's <laughs> it's not it's crazy not like, it's not a crazy amount of horsepower it's carbureted so the fuel economy is going to be terrible so, you know, it's it, there's going to be a lot of things kind of going against it that I think that starting value and maybe maybe is a little too low, but like it's not completely unreasonable. But but really what what uh, Bill Riley did um, and the cars run under the name uh, good, the good, bad and the ugly. But uh, but it shows up in, a, in the Riley hauler. But uh, but what they did is they took that car and they really, I mean, they kind of exploited some loopholes that they were always there. And everyone who maybe is around the series a lot could have, has always dreamed of maybe building a car like this. Uh, but they, they went and did it. And uh, so on top of the kind of uh, interesting rule, uh, like, I guess, I mean, everything they did, they asked the technical inspectors about if they could do and these are the values they got. They didn't make anything up or lie or anything. It's just this is what Champ Car decided to to value this car at, uh, and plus with that rear suspension swap. But but then everything else they did, they they did a lot of engine mods, cylinder heads, cam, uh, went to a kind of a throttle body fuel injection setup, intake manifold. Mm-hmm. So things making some power. I, I put it in the range of like three fifty to four hundred wheels. What I've what I've heard. Um, it's a lot for a champ car. I mean, yeah, most of them, like if, good. if an E30 BMW makes 160 horsepower, people start, you know, getting angry or something like they, <laughs> they think they're cheating. So, you know, for a car to show up with almost 400, 400. potentially well, a wheel, you said wheel. Too. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's quite a bit. I mean, and, but you think, Oh, the, but it's really heavy. It's a big muscle car, but I mean, it's the car is all fiberglass body panels. So they're just taking, I don't I don't know what the square footage of the parts they added, but they only took exactly the amount to put them to 500 points. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, maybe they they could have easily calculated out and made sure they used exactly what they had left basically to make the wide body kit. But you know the wide body kit allows them to run big tires. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically they they added it's all fiberglass panels. They I mean, took out everything they didn't need and it has it's a chop top so no more roof. And just a Lexan, Lexan uh, polycarbonate windshield. So my understanding is the car is right around 2,700 pounds, 2,800 pounds. So well, that's pretty good. You got that plus four horsepower. It's it's going to be a fast car. You put on 335 wide tires, and it's going to be able to handle that power to weight and everything. Yeah. And uh, so I I've heard other people complaining um, about some ancillary items too. Mm, uh, yeah, I was hoping you can tell me about that. Um, for some reason, I think this just goes to speak really for how fantastic of a you know crowdsourcing ideas place Facebook is. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of talk about an alternator bracket. Mm. Uh, I realize that's a one very small part of an entire car, but. Uh, People were going off, ah, oh, it's billet, it's whatever. Um, did you see a lot of extra shiny bits on there <laughs> that, you know, would have, should have accounted for points just for material or? 
you know, was that sort of a one-off and like whatever? <laughs> uh, you know, what do you, what'd you notice? What do you think? Yeah, so uh, yeah, the alternator bracket was one. It wasn't just the bracket, but the alternator itself as well was a Bosch Motorsport uh, alternator. Okay. Which I, I believe retails for around $500. So, I mean, yeah, it's an alternator. It's not going to... It's not going to win you the race, but uh, it could offer you some more reliability. Mm-hmm. Um, but the part that's, I guess, that people are most upset about is that it wasn't claimed. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing in the rules that says an alternator is this many points, but there's also a rule that says if it's not on this list, then it, it has to be some amount of points. Like, there's no free parts. Um, and then that bracket to mount it is also aftermarket or custom machine, so there's no points being taken there. And... Uh, and there, I think there were a few more things. There was, um, I mean, there there was the the mounting of the rear suspension was all adjustable. They had multiple holes to be able to basically change. Uh, they could kind of change that. Uh, the uh, what would it be the the what uh, are they inst- moving? like the instant center, so they can move the they can move. So I guess in the like the inboard side of the control arms. Yes. So okay, could, so they, yeah, the the instant centers and the roll centers. Yes. So they could update that, but their reasoning there is, oh, that's all part of the suspension swap. We need brackets to mount our suspension to. But you know what? The ones that they made were these really nice machined you know, and welded, tick welded brackets that they welded to the the original body on frame setup. And then there was like there was to hang those nice fiberglass body panels. There was. Uh, nice TIG welded parts, you know, tubes and everything coming off of the body. And there is a specific rule in Champ Car that says, like, no, you know, those would either be points or just make the car not allowed because they don't want this kind of, like, body, hung, hanging body panels on, like, a tube frame kind of deal. Okay. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So, uh, and then another area that was very... Uh, controversial was there uh, they had two tubes go through the firewall which which is allowed but they basically mounted in uh to the suspension front suspension pickup points and then and then were mounted to the cage and they took this as a like a 10 point strut tower bar but i mean it was it was like a full tubular structure that went in the into the engine bay tied in the front suspension mounted it mounted a few things like i think the radiator might have been mounted to it and everything but then also tied that those that suspension into the the main structure of the the roll cage um and i mean by the letter of the rule i guess you could say like what is a strut i mean a strut tower bar you kind of need struts and it doesn't have struts it's a double wishbone car so there's there's that but um but like you know maybe you could say it's a bar and, so, and they were claiming it but but ultimately, Champ Car actually agreed with some of these complaints. Like the alternator bracket was added on as points the second day at Indy, which for most teams would mean you'd be you'd be DQ'd from the previous race because if you're caught with any unclaimed parts, that should be a DQ. Now the Champ Car officials, I believe, argued this was more of a uh, since it was more their fault for not valuing the parts themselves and and not giving proper value to things that it's, it's more than their fault and they should the team shouldn't be punished. But I mean, we've seen, we've seen teams, uh, there's a race at Gingerman recently where the team had an unclaimed stroker engine. Now, I mean, there's, there's no engine internals aren't really in, I guess there's not specifically any rules to allow you to change them. And for that reason, they're basically, you're not allowed to change them. 
but it's it's hard to enforce in some cases to if you make any internal changes it's hard to to it would require you to tear down the engine it's not always feasible in this kind of you know amateur endurance racing i mean like it's it's right. hard to it's not a great environment to do that in right everybody's tired and wants to go home after a long weekend nobody wants to yeah and pull an engine and disassemble it and and like the stakes are like you get some money towards racing with champ car basically you know you get credits and like so for a lot of people it might not be worth it because it maybe you have to replace the head gasket maybe when you take it off or head bolts their torque to yield that kind of stuff like there there could be some costs associated with having to do that mm-hmm. and so uh, a lot of people might not want to uh, in that case but 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 basically there was a team that they got found they found it was a stroke engine they they dq'd him and put him in the ec the next day whereas in this case although they weren't trying to hide anything it was right out there in the open it was still an unclaimed part uh and so they were dq'd and they got to race in the normal classes the next day um, i guess a better example of this was uh uh at one of the championships uh i think it was the eastern region championship a couple years ago is at uh amp at uh, atlanta motorsports park and there's a team that I can't remember where they finished. It was like second or third or something. But they they had a rear anti-roll bar that was uh, aftermarket that they had forgotten to claim on their sheet. They were under the points. So like the car was at, at like 470 points. So they could have taken the 25 uh, to add that sway bar. But they just forgot to claim it on their in their logbook and, and on their tech sheet. And when this was found, they were actually DQ'd. Well, that seems kind of shitty to me. Exactly. So it, it's kind of a similar thing where either they forgot or, you know, air quotes forgot uh, right. to, to claim something, but it still kept them under 500 points. Now, it's it's a hard, sometimes because if you let people, if you let other teams get away with it and they were trying to hide it, then it could be a slippery slope in that way. But in this case, I mean, it should be looked at case by case. I think it, the car would still sure. have been under 500 points, um, so there shouldn't have been an advantage. There was no extra penalty laps that should have needed to be added, or but they got DQ'd. And then in this case, with with the good, bad, and the ugly Corvette, uh, it wasn't DQ'd, and it was allowed to race the next day uh, with with now uh, both the extra laps from winning by like 11 laps or so, plus with the laps they added for being over 500 points now. But you know, it's it's not the yeah, it's not the best take when you know people have been DQ'd in the past for either forgetting or, or not knowing a part required points, and then this team not having that same treatment. Sure. So, so my understanding is, after that though, they had um, their car undergo like a full inspection, so that uh, Champ Car could claim every single thing they wanted to add points to was that about right um my yeah my understanding was actually they had a they had champker come to their shop before or kind of before that race that they won at some point i don't know if it was when it was originally built uh but yeah they had champker come and they they checked it themselves you know that uh, i believe jay the lead uh tech uh the lead uh, tech person went there and 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 he he deemed it okay. So, you know, I don't I, I don't think it's 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 I, I think there might might have been a, like a separate audit afterwards before their next events. Uh, but um, 
But so I, I wouldn't blame necessarily blame, you know, Bill Riley or the, that whole team uh, for bringing that car in and in, in the in what it was like and, and not ex- expecting it to be any extra points or anything. Because as far as they they went through the proper channels, they went to Champ Car, they got it, you know, specifically inspected in their shop. And I mean, that all seems pretty reasonable and thorough. Yeah. So, uh, but it but the end result is a car. So. You know that you know twenty seven hundred or so pounds, four hundred horsepower or so, give or take, uh, twenty six gallons of fuel p- max potential on board, and right. and with giant three thirty five tires that you know, I think at Indy was about eight seconds faster than the next fastest car, which was probably a second or two faster than the third fastest. So like, it starts to snowball quickly when you look at like someone the guy in like 20th place or something and he's going to be like 15 seconds a lap slower. Right. That's and a lot. That's, that's a lot of time. And, uh, and that in some cases they were able to go two hours on fuel, which is very important in champ car with the minimum two hour driver stint. So end up a car with definitely a major overdog, but I guess the question that a lot of people were asking is, is it, is it just cause Riley Motorsports is, you know, they're a professional racing team and, and they, they built a really good car and they drove it well and they ran it well. and Or is it because they got maybe some preferential treatment from Champ Car alongside with a rule set that just didn't keep up with what they were building, basically? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds more like they found a loophole in the rules rather than something else. Um, yeah, and yeah. as far as loopholes, uh, I mean... Champ Car has made some changes since, so the points next year are the base starting points are increased from 150 to 300. So that's a big, big change so there. No cars, or just the Corvette, the C3 specifically. Okay. Okay. So it's it has more points now, so there's potentially parts they're going to have to take off to stay with under 500. And then I believe they're reversing their ruling on the 50 point rear suspension swap. Uh, so that's going to be a lot more points. So potentially they have to take off a lot of those power adders that they had on there because it was 100 points for the cylinder head, 50 points I think for the intake manifold, maybe 20. Maybe it's I think it's 25 for the intake manifold, 25 for the throttle body injection. So like just the, and the cam I think is 100 points or maybe 50 or 75. I can't remember, but basically it brings them to the point where maybe they have to take those heads off, take the cam out of there, get rid of the throttle body injection and stuff. And, Maybe if the car's running in the 250 to 300 horsepower, it'll be kind of in a better spot compared to a lot of their cars. Um, but I guess we'll just have to see which which mods they choose to take off. Maybe they take off those fiberglass uh, uh, wide body and make some right. something out of wood or something. Yeah, <laughs> something that's less. Run a little smaller tire too. That too. That too. And that would drop some weight. So that would have some benefits. So. So there's, we'll have to see what they come up with, but I think overall it, it left kind of a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, in the, at least at the front of Champ Car, and it, it, maybe all throughout because, I mean, you got the guys showing up that's, they're just, maybe it's their first race, they're having fun, they bring a mostly stock Miata or something, and they see that thing blow just by get their them. Blown door, their doors blown off. Yeah, like, you know, with 40, 50 mile an hour difference in speed down the straight, like... You know, you can't really compete with that. And maybe it demoralizes them and thinks like, oh, we want to eventually progress this car up towards the front. But like you get blown off by that. And you're like, I, 
There's nothing you can do. I don't know what we can do. And I know there were a few teams that, um, um, uh, specifically, I think it was Parts Badger. They have a they have a very fast Miata. Um, they were talking about like you know all the stuff they'd have to do to try to keep up with them. That they might just take a break from Champ Car, and so there, there's been some repercussions of this whole situation. I I, I think the a question a lot of people might be asking Champ Car is like for for what gain uh, to to give them allow them to run at those points and all that kind of stuff. There's many things they could do within, you know, within reason to maybe just that weekend or in, in the, in the grander grand scheme of things uh, to, to kind of calm everyone down. But like what, I guess, what was the benefit from this? Like why having Riley run that car? Is it, is it, it, did they think it would make people, because you know, there, there's some pro race teams that race a champ car. There's sailings, or pro or former pro teams. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Salins. There's, I think, uh, like the Turner Motorsports guys. They don't come under their name, but they they field at least help out or drive cars, I believe. Uh, so sure. I mean, there's there's some big names out there, and it's it's great to as a amateur team to to race against those guys. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's a cool experience. I mean, yeah, they bring some fancy tools and big haulers and all that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna be any faster. It's just they're going to look way better doing it or, or just it, it, I don't know. I I think that lends some credibility to what we're, what, you know, people are doing in champ car or any of the amateur racing. Like if they're able to compete with these guys, they feel like, you know, they're they're racing against some, some well-known names, some, some people that have a lot of experience and history in motorsports. So, I mean, I I don't want to like, I don't want any. I wouldn't want them to to make a big change that basically just kicks out the Riley team and and then you know they they can't race with us. Yeah. But um. But I don't know. It's just strange. Like, I, I think maybe they thought that people would see that car and just they I don't know want to go to the race just to see it. Like I, I yeah. don't know. Like it it's a very cool car. Like it, it's got a lot of details. Like that that are really nice. It's got really you know really nice race tech seat mounted to the cage with a tilton pedal box that uh that slides and then okay yeah. and just the motec data system and all that stuff like all that stuff that They're you can nice do parts. yeah like you know what you'd expect in a full-on gtd car or something <laughs> I mean, we kind of talked about it with the gt4 supra it's similar parts <laughs> that yeah. you might see in that fancy parts so uh, it's cool to see, and that you know that none of that stuff. Some of that stuff might not really make a car faster. It's more comfortable and mm-hmm. makes it nicer for the driver, and and they have more data to go off of. But and all that stuff's with allowed within the rules. I don't think anyone has a problem with that. They they understand it. They you know they might have spent a lot of money on it. I mean, there are race teams, so a lot of this could just kind of be leftover stuff from the the race cars. Um, right. But ultimately, it's it's more of the, the overall, the performance of the car that I think is difficult for people to, to accept since, I mean, you're with the, with champ cars, uh, championship race being at road America and they them being qualified for it at the front. Uh, it's, it's going to be really hard to beat that yeah, car. It seems like the thing would just walk away. You just, you basically just hope that it, maybe not hope, but, if you want to be able to compete with it, you're going to have to expect it to have some sort of mechanical issue. Right. Which in the past they did, um, but it seems like now they've developed the car to the point where it's it's quite reliable most of the time. 
And yeah, it's gonna it's just gonna be hard for them to compete, and that that could really deter some people from wanting to come in that race if their sole goal is to try to win that championship, mm-hmm. knowing that their chances have now basically reduced to a coin flip of whether the, the team breaks down or not. Then, yeah, that might not be a good enough chance for people. So, I think I mean there's there's been a lot of shakeups in Champ Car. Uh, Mike Chizik. Uh, stepped down as CEO, and, and now we have uh, uh, Dana Morrison taking over. So there's some changes in the uh, in the management and, and leadership at Champ Car. So we'll we'll see how they they look at stuff. Yeah, in yeah, the future. I, I did see uh, a few people who are on the the side of uh, run what you brung and build a better car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, generally, that's the camp I'm in. I'm a big fan of that, right? Um, you know, a lot of what I think makes a car good outside of driver mod mm-hmm. is having like a all-around cohesive approach to it, right? One fast, cool bit on it's not going to work mm-hmm. that well unless it works with everything else. Um, so generally, that's that's my attitude. But I think just maybe as a paradigm shift... Um, or a fun thought experiment. Mm-hmm. I have a first gen CTSV, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's cool. Uh, I feel like if I showed up to a champ car race with it, I'd be flayed alive. Yeah. Nobody would be putting up with it. Yeah. Um, it's 4,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. In 2004, it had 400 crank horsepower. Mm-hmm. Uh, 245s all the way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want more than 275s, you're going to have to change links in the rear suspension. Um, and it, more than that's probably not going to change or fit in the front, um, even with pulled and rolled fenders. Um yeah, and somewhere between 16 and 17 gallons mm-hmm. fuel capacity. So, by a decent margin, my car is lacking in every single one of those specs compared to this Corvette. Yeah, and I, I find it strange that I, I, I think the same people who are saying build a better car would also be very upset. With me if I showed up with a CTSV. Yeah, I mean to put it in context, a, a CTS V6 is, I believe, 500 points before you even like change anything. So you know this thing would be, if they gave it a value, I don't think it's it's even on the list. But if they gave it a value, you'd expect it to be in like the 700 points or something because it's got an LS. Yep. And 400 horsepower. I mean, you know, when you when you gut it, maybe you could get it down to 3,000. I mean, uh, maybe so that's. That's a lot of weight. It's yeah. definitely not getting to twenty seven hundred, right? No, definitely not. Three thousand to stretch. Yeah, I mean, you would have to yeah, gut every piece of, piece of you know whole saw as much as you could. Yeah, Smoky unit acid dip it twelve <laughs> times or whatever. Make sure, make sure all yeah all the windows are either gone or replaced with polycarbonate and yep. And just yeah, you would have to go full on Swiss cheese on that thing, and yeah, maybe you could get it to three thousand. But there's just It'll just eventually be a limitation of if, if it's just going to like break in half if you take too much <laughs> right. weight out. Yeah. 
And then on top of that, I mean, uh, the first gen CTSVs aren't known for the most reliable rear diffs, so you'd be nope. contending with that. I mean, yep. and that uh, it's a little weird uh, to say because you see a lot of T56s and fast drag cars, but they're not um, supposedly not that great for road racing. Mm. Um, seen quite a few people track these cars. Uh, the previous owner tracked my car a lot mm -hmm. seems to be okay um but talking to the people who were on the cadillac cts race team and back in the day mm -hmm. and again sort of just going back to we worked at pratt right <laughs> yeah they had to to keep that thing reliable enough to finish a race right and not have it as a question in someone's mind they had to rebuild that diff and transmission after every event yeah so, so you're contending with that and that was sprint racing that that's they sprint raced racing <laughs> and that's completely ignoring you know the possibility of maybe someone using stronger gears and mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. uh yeah carbon clutches and however they make them carbon synchros not you know what yeah, yeah, it. yeah. So, it's uh, strange. Yeah, so, I mean... The discrepancy is strange. Yes, yeah, so, like... So, yeah, it'd be very obvious people would would just be like, there's no way this thing should be under 500 points. And I think, yeah, when you look at the numbers and compare it to anything, compare it to that Corvette, it's just... it's. It, it is a loophole car, but it's it's almost like in some cases some loopholes were made for them. And, um, and you know, that's just, that's just not, that's not going to make anyone happy. Um, who, who, who wants to come up there and bring their, bring their car that, that, that is right at 500 points, but can, can't even touch that kind of, that level of performance, no matter if, you know, they put Lewis Hamilton in the car or something. Right. So... Yeah, because uh, there's there's been a lot of discussions over the years on the the champ car forums and stuff that I've participated in, um, you know, about certain teams. It's like people are like, oh, well, it's, they just have really good drivers, or um, or you know, they put together and manage and maintain a really good car. But I think this is a case where you have you you have very good drivers and a very good team maintaining a car that is outside of what is kind of expected in the champ car rules. So it, I, I don't want to discount it. It is a very good team with some really, really good guys behind it and really smart guys, and, and it seems to be driven pretty well. And But, you know, you put those same people in a front-running Miata or E30 or SC300 or whichever is the flavor of the month, I don't think anyone will get anywhere close to the times they're doing. So... I think it's I think it's okay to I mean sometimes loophole cars pop up and it does seem to be they they made some adjustments to it but um, I guess we'll just have to see how they adapt to those adjustments because like we said they're smart guys they they may might be able to find some things maybe take advantage of more things they weren't before because they didn't really need to the car was already super fast yeah now they can look into other areas that they were kind of neglecting because it was good it was already good enough. So yeah, there's there's op still opportunities for them to be, I'm sure, very quick. But hopefully, it'll bring them more in line with the, a lot of the, the performance of a lot of other cars out there.
Yeah. Where do you see that upper limit of uh, Champ Car being? Like, do you think you think the rules should stay where they are and that's about it? Or, you know, as cars made now or, you know, even in 2015, in a few years, mm-hmm. they'll be old enough to be maybe on the roll set. You know, maybe they're faster. Or maybe you can make them faster. Mm. Um, speed creep is always a thing. That's the nature yes. of it. Right? We are competing to go faster. Yeah. And and even if... So everybody will go faster. And even if we don't even do anything to make our cars better, eventually better tires come out. Like, you know, things just mm-hmm. will improve. And, and just think... You know, every time I go to the track as a driver, I I feel like I get a little bit better. And if you've been racing for now five years, ten years, you know, you take that same car you built ten years ago and and drive it now, you'd probably be a lot faster. So yeah, everyone's always going to get quicker. But yeah, like like you said, having new cars, uh, you know, as old cars become less and less available, it might be hard to get an 80s BMW or, or, or something like that, um, it, it might appeal to more people to start keep bringing in more and more new cars like FRS or ND Miata. ND Miata. Like, yeah, like a lot of these newer cars, even just like a newer 3 Series or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but these cars keep getting more and more power, more and more you know sophisticated ABS systems and traction control and that kind of stuff that could make the car faster than the numbers suggest. Yeah. Um, but I think it seems like they're moving towards, they haven't made any large moves, but I think what they'll want to, should do maybe is yes, start to maybe slowly lower the points of the older cars to allow them more and more updates to then allow newer cars to come in. Cause I think, I mean, people, some people I think want to, would rather race a new car that, they don't have to rub all the or grind all the rust off of or, right. or whatever or, yeah. or can go to the local parts store and easily find stuff for it or the dealership or whatever. So so do you think it's it sounds like you're okay with speed creep? Um, if that's right, are you concerned at all or is it more of a like a rate for you? You know, like yeah. uh, maybe a percent or two faster lap time per year you know like you don't want to see any big jumps or uh like just where do you see that upper limit being yeah i think that would be like having a a couple percent like i think it depends on the track but if you look over many years there some tracks won't have that many big changes in lap time like the fastest lap uh uh, but that that can be highly dependent on what teams show up to certain tracks, which cars that are maybe suited for some tracks versus another. But but overall, yeah, I think a certain percent every year would be okay. I think in the case of this, the the good, bad, and the ugly Corvette, there was a speed leap, as people like to say, um, where it was such a big jump. I mean, we're talking like every track, six to eight seconds a lap. Yeah. Like that's no one's gonna be able to develop in one just develop their car in one year without really adding big number you know adding a turbo or something to their car or whatever like without adding a ton of power or somehow finding a bunch of weight or running a racing slick or something I don't think anyone can just develop that much time into the car over the course of a year so I think it's definitely good to, to maybe it could be useful like 
for Champ Card. I kind of have a this long term goal of almost like lap time, average lap time over all their events, and be if there's anything that goes above that line of a couple percent per percent or two per per year, then they need to look at who's doing that dip and and see if that car needs to be adjusted or something or if sure specific part values or something need to be changed but yeah i think it it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward um but overall i think they're kind of in the right direction i i just think uh yeah you got to be careful with the the kind of loophole cars you gotta mm-hmm. handle them without really upsetting too many people um but then also I think overall, I mean, I personally, I like going faster every year. I like just going faster in general. And I think there's a lot of people that like rules that allow them to bolt fancy things on their car because a lot of, a lot of people like to, to do yeah. that. So, yeah. <laughs> but not everyone can afford to do that. That's where you kind of have to draw that line. Uh, I mean, so I guess another question then is, do you need to draw that line? Um, and what I'm getting at is racing is expensive. Yeah. Phenomenally expensive. Even amateur racing, right? I mean, if you signed up with a competitive team mm-hmm. and you were renting a seat, mm-hmm. um, let's say you're going to VIR, the, the full course, mm-hmm. you know, it, I guess right now you can only do it in the 24, but whatever. You can pretend it's an eight-hour race if you want, mm-hmm. um, or two eight hours. How much would that cost you for the weekend, do you think? And I mean you. To get there, you know, lodging, food, mm-hmm. seat rental in a competitive car, how much do you think that would cost? Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, that would probably put you, you know, depending on the team, and their budget or you know, the co- their running costs, everything. I mean, it could be anywhere from you know twelve hundred to to maybe even three thousand on the upper end. If you if you're including your hotel, yeah, your driving or your plane ticket. If you're just doing flying, drive and drive kind of stuff. But yeah. So if we said two grand for the weekend, right? That would be like a twelve hundred dollar seat, um, couple nights in a hotel, plane ticket. And meals for everything in between. Mm-hmm. Two grand is in a weekend. So it's, it's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's, it's a lot more than like I think probably average people can do, or at least consistently do. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, someone can save money and go race one weekend for the whole year, but um, I think you know it's it's not cheap. Um, so understanding racing isn't cheap. Are you that concerned if it goes up and, you know, if, if that would now cost you 2500 Yeah. Like, it's, again, it's a lot more money that you'd rather not spend, but, you know. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, me personally, I, I just, I love racing, so I'll, I'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> but for the people that, I think it's, it's, it's not as much of a problem for maybe the people yeah, the most competitive teams up there that are competing, I think they're willing to make the adjustments most of the time. Most of the people, I don't want to just talk for everyone, but mm. um, but I think the the barrier that I think most 
I feel like I see the most complaints about is like, if you change this role, allow this part for free or something. Now I have to buy that to be competitive. Now I, it depends like it, cause there's, it, it's not really changing the cost of you showing up and racing there. I mean, the only things that can really change that are entry fee, gas prices, uh, that kind of stuff. As far as you going to that event and racing in a race, whether you're competitive or not, that's a whole nother story. So right. as long as, and honestly, that's where we've honestly, if, I feel like we've seen costs go up in recent years, at least with champ cars, is, is those entry fees are going up. I mean, it depends on the, how the economy is doing and, and how they, their strategy is and everything. Cause it's, end of the day, Champ Car is relatively unique because it's a nonprofit um, club. So they're more out to uh, just make sure they could survive as a club and bring as many events as they can to as many tracks and people as possible. So it's it's not as much, I don't think they're price gouging or anything, but the price has been going up and that does affect the minimum cost of entry. Now, you know, to be competitive, if you feel like you need to now buy that shiny new part, that new flywheel or brake setup or whatever, and, and you can find some lap time out there, that does, you know, potentially effectively increase that cost. But I feel like for the teams that their only goal is to win, I feel like you need to be ready to spend, I guess, that kind of money. I mean, you could, instead of buying that shiny part, you could do a test day, extra test day and burn up some tires and all that kind of stuff and, and that would cost you as much and honestly in some ways you might see more benefit from that than the shiny part but right um but still if you add the shiny part and go testing you know that could get you even more performance potentially so i think there there does have to be a balance i th- i think where i i feel like they more effort could be put into is is more looking at the parts that could potentially lower the op- overall operating costs of the car um, and maybe allowing more of those. I know one area that always comes up is radiators and oil coolers and stuff because those are points. And they can definitely afford someone more performance. I mean, because uh, reliability is performance. It's definitely one of the major, especially in endurance racing. It's a right. huge part of performance. Yeah. So I, I agree that... I'm okay that it does have a point value, but there's some cars that would have to take penalty laps because they start at 500 just to add that. And if they're really serious, they're just going to say, screw it. I'm not going to run that old cooler and I'll just worry about replacing my engine every, you know, maybe more often because eventually my oil is breaking down in the middle of these longer races and it's, it's eating away at these bearings over time. And, uh, just causing failures in the long term or even short term. But, but uh, but I think there there's some things that could be done potentially allowing that, and a free oil cooler could allow people to maybe attend more races because their engines aren't broken down as often or having them sure. replaced. But yeah, I mean, I I guess what I'm getting at with the the cost thing is, I mean, I could set a price and say that should be the target. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly selfish, mm-hmm. just in the nature that it's that target is based off of me, my lifestyle, what I do for, you know, work, all, all of it. Right. Um, it'd be very self-centered. Um, you know, and then cheaper would be cool, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just, I guess I have a hard time. Uh, if I take a step back Mm -hmm. and try and view it from, you know, uh, this 
big picture thing where I'm not concerned with my personal budget. Mm -hmm. You're not really pulling in my heartstrings, <laughs> right? If you say, oh, no, I don't want to have to buy that, whatever it is, right? That shiny new part, that dry break for your fuel, mm -hmm. which with the minimum fuel time in the pit, I don't think it helps. makes things safer. Potentially, yeah. yeah um, definitely. So, I'm, I mean, I'm for it for it being allowed. Um, but, you know, understanding that there's a lot of people who can't do this, like someone who can, and you don't want to spend a little bit more money. Like I understand not wanting to spend it. You're just not generating any sympathy for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's uh, cause, cause like I said, like it's not really changing the minimum cost for you to show up to that event and have some fun racing. Yeah. Um, and all the way up the field, there's, there's people you can race. Maybe you're not getting the trophy at the end of the day, but, um, you're still having a good time making memories, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a wide spread of lap times. There's going to be people close to you. Yeah. And there's some awesome teams that show up and I don't know why they want to do it. <laughs> but I'm thankful they do and they just barbecue for everybody or yeah. bring a bunch of beer or whatever it is. Like you can show up and race for 25th place and have a great time. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And I, so I, yeah, it's, I don't it, know. it's, it's, you definitely, I mean, you don't, you don't, you want to keep people, Wanting to come back because that because that's what can lower those overall costs for everyone is getting more people to sign up and yeah. get, getting car counts up and that can lower the cost for everyone. But uh, so it's, it's definitely you got to keep everyone in mind when you're making these changes. But I think for the most part it, it shouldn't because kind of what we've talked about before the the teams that can only afford to go to one or two races a year. I, I don't I don't think even if they you gave them those, those fancy parts because they're not doing it all season, doing all these races, getting better as drivers, as a team, developing the car. It's going to be hard for them to be competitive already because they're just, they're not going to as many events. So at the same time, those people that are going to all the events, they're spending way more money mm -hmm. just to go to the event. So do you prevent them to, from going to those events or testing like formula one prevents testing for, for cost reasons? Like, do you prevent them from sure. taking their car to a track day? Like these are arguments you can make if you're only worried about like cost for performance or, or something. Sure. It's just, those are kind of intangible things. It's not just a, a shiny part yeah. that everyone can buy. And NASCAR limits wind tunnel time. Yeah. Not that anybody <laughs> is putting their car in a wind tunnel, although not that nobody's doing it, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good point you made is, you know, if you're if you care about performance or dollar per performance, you're gonna limit people's what they're doing outside of the race. Yeah. You know. So, um yeah, man, I, yeah, I mean I and I think the things that people have talked the most about uh that I've seen in like the champ car community is is because one other, I guess, kind of controversial thing with with the good, bad, and the other cars that they, they ran the tires they use those three thirty-five wide tires are, I think they're for a set, they're almost $2,000. I, I believe it's like 500 a tire. Mm -hmm. And then you, they change it multiple times during the race. So 
that's something where you're you are basically buying speed because those tires are going to be faster than if you just had some 225 Hankook RS4s or something on the car. Right. Um, or even just in the same size going from the Hankook to the RE71, you know, Bridgestones. That's just kind of well, free speed as far as not having to develop the car really. You just bolt on, you put on these new yeah. tires, but is expensive speed potentially that not sure. everyone can afford. So I think But look, then where do you draw that line, right? So if you're looking at yeah. tires, you say okay, right? If you're we have to go down to like Miata tire sizes just to be able to compare all the different flavors. Um, you say, okay, um, you can't use RE71s or better yet, you know, in this case, just cause we're trying to draw a line or a comparison with the Corvette, um, mm -hmm. you can use them, but you can't use 245s. Mm. 225 is the max. Okay. What's to stop you from running 225s and they'll wear out sooner? Yeah. And you'll spend more money replacing them. You just change up every pit stop. Then. Yeah. I mean, you're still buying speed at that point. Yes. You know, or you say, okay, no, no RE71s. Yeah, all right, fine. So you go to the next tire and dial up your arrow to get more, more vertical load in the tire. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if you're not, you know, there's obviously a, a balance between arrow and drag and power, but, um, and there's always a way out of it, I guess is what I'm saying. So, yeah, if, if kind of for some teams, if money isn't too big of a concern that they're going to usually find a way, yeah, there, there's a way to spend money. Someone will take your money. <laughs> so, but I think, but I think there are ways that it could be limited. I, some things that were talked about were, um, changing the minimum pit stop time. So if, if there isn't a minimum pit stop time or if it's shortened to the point where you can't change all four in one pit stop, that could then limit those guys. If you both, if you do some sort of limit on the tires, but also on the pit stops, then that makes them decide which thing is faster. And if you try to, I, I think it's that, um, I'm, I'm sorry to interject, but yeah. that, that sounds more like you'd be shooting yourself in the foot. Cause if you got rid of the minimum pit stop time, Mm -hmm. Which, on the surface, I'm not against. Again, I'm I'm. <laughs> I like the racing. Run what you brung. You know what? If your buddy's good at fucking changing tires, <laughs> let him do it. Right. Um, but if you're concerned about spending money, yeah, and you say you can't just say, all right, well, if we drop the minimum pit stop time, these guys won't be able to do tires and fuel because they'll just have a fucking team. <laughs> out there changing their tires and they'll do fuel yeah so time. so they'll, they'll still be able to to look at what the best thing is for them in that case and and maybe i'm just saying like they'll outspend you to the point where they can do everything at the pace well, you can do it because they just hired yeah six yeah. guys so that they could find a way to fuel faster and yeah and still change those tires super fast. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, there'll still be some sort of, I would hope that people without having to spend too much money can fuel their carp relatively quickly, especially if they have less gallons on board than, than those guys do. But so there, there's always, there's definitely some time penalty for them doing that. But if, if honestly, if they're eight seconds a lot faster, you might as well just change the tires. Um, and so they'll be able to figure that out. So maybe overall they lose a little bit of speed, but 
I don't think it would do what everyone is hoping it to do potentially. Um, I mean, I think there's some, maybe some possibilities for trying to limit the pit stops themselves, like the number of people over the wall, the number of wheel sure. guns. Yeah, that would, those would help. You know, I, I don't think, uh, they have a good way to measure it, but this is coming off the top of my head here, but I think if you limited rather than the whole pit stop time, you just limited time fueling. Hmm. Um, had a minimum time there because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then, you know, if you take tires, that's on top of your minimum time fueling. Okay. Yeah. You know so what you I mean? Decide how much. So your, your pit stop could have been shorter. Okay. You see what I'm what yeah, I'm getting think, at there? I think I, I, I get it. Um, that's actually, that's, uh, how the Michelin pilot challenge in IMSA does it. Mm. Right. Cause I, it's interesting because there's a bunch of different series, right? And some of them have fuel flow rates for the um, from the rig to the car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of them have fueling time. Uh, Champ Car obviously has like a time and pit. Yeah. But uh, in my humble opinion, in terms of consistency and competitiveness, the time spent fueling is the best again i don't know how champ car would do it mm-hmm. um well it would measure it but because it limits one specific you know sector mm-hmm. that that everybody's gonna have to do you're all gonna be comparable there then if someone's taking more tires that's extra time for them yeah they can decide if it's worth it or not you yeah know? um and then all of a sudden so some cars teams have rigs with things to like make the fuel flow faster mm-hmm. right so they can get they can fill sooner mm-hmm. um but if you have that minimum fuel time doesn't matter right um that's it's another thing around that yeah you know you can, someone can be using, you know, there's no minimum pit stop time, but there's a minimum fuel time and people can use Hunsickers or they can use dry brakes or they can use whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of ways to hit that minimum fuel time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but so I guess my, like my counter argument towards that, I, I think that could be a good idea, but then basically you need, you know, champ car officials at almost every pit pit box right yeah Watching exactly. that fuel that's, time that's and timing the problem it. so it could be done uh but then maybe if they can't find enough volunteers because mo- all the people in pit lane are usually volunteers mm-hmm. if you can't find that then maybe they have to start paying people and then everyone's costs go up it's including the, the guy you know the minimum entry point right yeah so the like, person using those like epa certified Red gas tanks they got at, I don't know, Walmart. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and showing up with their basically stock car that they just are running some old streetcar tires on or something. So so like it, it potentially then harms everyone and especially sure. the guys the minimum cost of entry for for anyone. So so then we we kinda are going in a circle where we're maybe making it so you can't just outspend everyone to win, but then you're increasing the costs of the, the, the lowest, you know, the, the, 
the entry level people. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 just it's never going to be an easy solution. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy answer for sure. It, so. it, it it does re- it, it requires a lot of definitely a lot of thinking and it's something I honestly haven't been able to to figure out. I I think it requires a lot of people to come together and and try mm. to come up with something and and agree to something. But but yeah, I I personally haven't because there's you could limit the number of tires people bring to race, but then now someone needs to mark all of those tires maybe at the tech shed. But then all of a sudden that makes the tech shed line like four hours long at every race because. Right. Well, and then how are you going to, how closely can everybody monitor, like outside of people policing their neighbors? Yeah. Which nobody likes a narc. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you monitor, like someone has an extra set of RE71s just for the fronts in their Civic or whatever, right? They throw them on, you do two hours, they take them off, put them back in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, here's all the mark tires are out here on the road. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, or like even like because you know someone like Salins who brings three cars, they could be like, okay, let's take all of our tires yeah. from the other two teams that are as we're just trying to have fun with those ones. And the serious one, you give them all like they're all marked. We yeah. got them marked. We're running a mark set, guys. You know, and unless you're like, you know, recording every pit stop they're doing, you're not going to be able to notice right. them doing that. So, but yeah, no. But then, yeah, okay, now you set up specific RFID tags yeah, for every exactly. tire like IMSA does or Yeah, the, the way out of everything we've talked about <laughs> is electronics, um, which can be cheap, but not in this case. Yes. RFID tags on the tires, plus you need to be reading them and monitoring them. You know, if you made everyone put fuel into a, a fuel cell, or not not a fuel cell like you would normally think of in a car but like a fuel rig mm-hmm. you know giant jug mm-hmm. you they could see when it's flowing yeah but then someone has to own those jugs and all that electronic equipment yes there's um yeah because there's uh, if you any type of monitoring you're gonna do for for whatever part of a car it is whatever aspect it's gonna add cost yeah. Because you need to pay for the equipment at a minimum. Yeah. So now, as we said, now everyone's minimum cost goes up. Mm-hmm. And so now literally the cost of racing is increasing in that point. And okay, now, but it allows many people in the mid-pack to be a little more competitive with the guys all the way up front that are that have all the money willing and willing to spend it. But it could be at the expense of the you know mid to lower, you know, the people that are maybe just trying to do it for fun or very part-time and... So, right. yeah, it's 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 very difficult to to kind of balance those things. I think ultimately, it I feel like there just needs to be some kind of it's you can't police them, but gentlemen gentlemen's agreements like someone should have just talked to Riley and 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 those guys and just be like, hey, maybe next time you don't show up with this many tires or, or <laughs> like yeah. yeah between you and me kind of like I, I don't know it's it's hard to write rules for everything I, there there could be a way but then you end up with you know needing needing a, a like a a lawyer to go through the rules to like explain yeah <laughs> exp- explain like what has to be done uh in order to make your car legal or or <laughs> 
and then yeah it just it makes it makes it less fun maybe it, it makes going through tech harder it makes the weekend just shorter for racing or yep. or just hanging out with friends you're just like in tech lines forever between every race or session or whatever and they're impounding every car or like right i don't know i, I think people just i don't know i i think the people at the front need to take it maybe just that tiny bit less seriously i mean these are these Style are back you're racing for credits that obviously some of those teams at the front don't need um mm -hmm. for trophies that are made out of scrap metal yeah. um and you know not to anyone who's won these trophies not to make it it's a big accomplishment to to win any race mm -hmm. champ car or imza like it's all takes a lot of it takes a lot of execution and and there's a lot of things that have to go into it yeah and but you know we're not on tv we're not racing for hundred thousand dollar purses and not even the pros are doing that they, <laughs> there's no unless it's formula one where you know the the sixth place champ you know constructor versus the seventh gets an extra of 10 million or something and that could be between whether you can hire or keep some of your staff like no this mm -hmm. is happening here it's just yeah you know, you're getting your trophy and some credits and and uh it, but you know people i i take my racing seriously and i i like to win but um yeah it's just sometimes it could take the fun out of it when someone is taking it too seriously and has the money to to do anything they want basically right so yeah it's uh it's it's tough i mean you know because I've, I've raced for some competitive teams at champ car and had a lot of fun winning races it's fun um, to win it's definitely fun to win like it's it's very fun to win um but it's also fun to you know because when we race the the volvo our our classy volvo 960 wagon chop mm -hmm. top now manual swapped oh yeah it's you know the car was 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 got for it was they got it for free and you know it's it's a very low budget build we in order to get more rear grip we just welded the the eaton uh e9 or e i can't remember the exact name but the eaton locker that's supposed to just lock up at below 20 miles an hour so you can get out of your driveway in your volvo in the morning or whatever we made it so now it just locks at any speed so now we have a fancy locker on it which you know basically just for the cost of some mig mig gas and and wire uh, like yeah everything on that car has been done with a budget in mind yeah um and just it, 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 we haven't won any races and we led a race at vr by accident because <laughs> yeah we forgot to put a transponder awesome. on the car and they uh, gave us a few too many laps uh when they corrected it but uh and it led one lap at gingerman once because we started on pole and i well at least i led the start over the start finish line I, yeah I, you guessed the number right or the number he or, rolled the, or the pits the pit stall number was ours yeah, and so, yeah, we, exactly. so we got to start on pole uh by a, basically a, you know, a dice roll so honestly. volvo led two races <laughs> i know what i got 19 grand or best offer yes um but you know honestly i've had more fun in that car in some chances just in, in some cases where it's just we sometimes we only do get to do one race a year in it but we we go out there and we're a second or two seconds faster than where we were last year that that in its own is can be really fun we're still maybe the field's getting faster than that every year but so we're kind of staying in the same spot but 
it's still fun to, to, you know, to try to stretch your dollar in a car, like trying to get most performance per dollar versus right. just most performance, period. Well, it's also nice to not be so incredibly worried about something, right? If you had a 25 grand build. Yeah. Like, holy shit. You don't want any contact, you know? Yeah. Um, at least most normal people wouldn't, right? And then sometimes it's just, you know, uh, about company, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to, you know, miss shift and then a <laughs> Volvo with his middle finger sticking out the driver's side window passes you and <laughs> then he blows a damper and you pass him back and give him the <laughs> finger again and, you know, I mean, yeah, no, that these was things the, are fun. That was the first time I ever did full-size uh, kind of you know racing with your friends like go-karts but you're in actual cars uh, yeah on a racetrack <laughs> same attitude though same attitude though maybe a little less dive bombs and you know yeah. <laughs> but and, and body damage but you know but yeah it's it's it, there's a lot of ways to have fun um winning is definitely fun but you, you can you can try to find ways to to do it more but ultimately i think Maybe this is something we could visit in a, in a future episode, trying to come up with solutions to these kind of things. But yeah, I mean, right now we just keep talking about problems. Yeah, we're just really kinda, helping anybody. But I think I mean, we're just trying to bring like that's a very nuanced thing. It's it's a lot of people can be affected by a lot of different things, and and just because something's hard to implement doesn't mean it shouldn't be. It's just you got to look at you know it from all yeah, different you got to take some time and work it out. So. Yeah, it's 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 always it's always that balance of making it easy for people to make an entry point easier, making it not too difficult for people to get involved to while also reigning in the guys at the top. Because I mean, it's it's just it's a tough balancing act. You know, yeah, absolutely. No one wants to be tearing down their engines after every race. Just. It would make it more, uh, you know, it would rain some teams in potentially that, that are taking some liberties there. But but then, you know, maybe some people don't don't want to have to deal with that or something. So Right. Or or that changes their costs by having to replace the parts that get damaged when, when rebuilding an engine or, you know. So it's, it's there's a lot there. But, but I guess changing gears from... Uh, from the club racing well i guess real quick i mean there were some some club racing results that that happened uh recently uh, i believe the most recent talking about champ car most recently uh the race at uh, barber motorsports park i haven't gotten to go there yet i really it's definitely on my bucket list oh it's huge on my bucket list um especially like so i obviously read a lot of bike things um it seems to be a fantastic motorcycle track and they paved it i think might be two years ago now i don't know uh my entire sense of time with this whole covid thing is out the window could be one year i don't i don't know <laughs> um but apparently it's just fantastic and i don't know who it is but whoever owns it supposedly like actually cares about it rather than just like a you know Something they got and the way to make money like is into into racing. So they they I've been told mm -hmm. one of the reasons I really want to go there is they really take care of their facilities and 
I really want to go. Yeah. I I agree with you. It sounds awesome. Yeah, maybe maybe next year. Yeah. We can try to make it out there, but um but yeah, so it looks like I, I'm not sure if both races were wet, but I know there was some some rain uh the, during that event and uh so it looks like in first we got Birmingham Racing. I, we've seen them up there before in their SC300. Uh Pinky's out with their uh, Aero car got second. I believe they also did really well at, uh, what was the other event previously? It was, uh, oh, VIR North, of course, VIR North. So I believe they did well there. I think they won. I think when we covered that last, I, I couldn't find the results for the Saturday race, and I believe they won that one. Um, and then the third, we got Tuttle Motorsports. Sometimes can be a controversial team there. Another Another big big team with with the monies but uh and some controversial accidentally put the wrong engine in the car kind of situations <laughs> but but yeah they're, but they're a good team and they they usually put some usually put some good people behind the wheel so another good result for them in third there and then we got 901 motorsports i believe that's a e30 uh yep in there in fourth and then finally we have Two guys in a Miata. I wonder if that's a Miata. It is a Miata. It's it's not false advertising there. So they get no, that's good. they get fifth place in that A class win, that coveted A class win. Everybody Basically, wants that. best Honda slash Miata. Yeah, dude. <laughs> trophy for the most part. Um, yeah, and that was the Saturday race. Sunday we have Visceral Racing Group in their Porsche 944 with the win there. They they're always they're usually up towards the front in a lot of these events that I think they potentially do the most races at anyone that I've seen. That seemed like they're always any event I've been to. It seems like they're there. Um, we got uh, Hong North in there. Oh, it looks like Mark three Supra. God, I'd love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, Pinky's out getting a, another podium in third there. Tuttle getting another good result in fourth. And then, Oh, GMS racing in there. I believe, somewhat freshly rebuilt uh rx7 with the v6 swap so some some uh names if you've been around champ car for a while that you'd expect to see up there so but but yeah i'm I'm sure everyone had a good time hopefully everyone had a good time from the 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 guys winning all the way down to the uh to the guys in last hopefully yeah i mean honestly a bad day at the track is better than a good day at work that's true. Although you can have some pretty bad days where you can have some horrendous days on track, working on the car the whole time. But they, but even yeah. then, yeah, I'd even probably that, rather be doing that. As long as I'm not stuck in a hospital for an extended length of time, <laughs> better than a good day. Of work. Yeah, hanging out with friends, even if you're wrenching on it, drinking yeah. beers, hanging out. You know, it's still going to be a good time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, no, no Riley Corvette, so everyone. Everyone had a chance, there you go. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's probably one of the last races of the season. I don't know. I don't think Sebring got moved from. That was usually New Year's. So, but yeah, so I'm sure it was a. I'm sure it was a good time. Definitely, maybe try to do that one next year ourselves. To. So, um, but yeah, and I guess in you other come races, out there in one v one man. <laughs> in uh in other racing news i guess going back to some of the pro stuff at the end here 
Yeah. Yeah, um, we kind of jumped with that Corvette stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's we're we just we'll follow anything and everything here. So <laughs> well, to be in any specific order here, but I guess going back to we've talked a lot of Formula One in previous episodes and. They had the last race of the season, kind of on a, a relatively uneventful, at least compared to the last one. Um, but you had Max Verstappen taking the win. It's yeah, it's always surprising when you don't see a Mercedes up there. Yeah. So that's two weeks two weeks in a row, no Mercedes winning a race. They, they must and be shaking in their it. boots. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they didn't already clinch the chip, the, the Constructors' Championship <laughs> like seven races ago, but, you know, yeah. they... So the wolf better watch out. Well, yeah, he better he better watch. I believe he got re-signed to Mercedes. I love to see it, uh, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, speaking of re-signing, we we saw or or new signings. New signings. Uh, we finally see some of the, the final seats. I think still Hamilton seats still up in the air, but you know, I, I think maybe Toto Wolf, his position getting sealed in. Maybe that was what they were waiting for, but uh. But as far as kind of Red Bull, AlphaTauri, we had um, both of those kind of vacant, uh, vacant seats being uh, filled. So at AlphaTauri, we had Yuki Tsunoda, Sonata. So I should be able to say these Japanese names You're having supposed to. working at Toyota. But Tsunoda, I believe, is how you'd pronounce that. He's replacing Danny Kvyat. Kvyat. That's that's always a tough one to say. Um, that I don't have to be able to say that one right because it's, <laughs> it's Russian. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that that's the final seat. I be, believe Sonoda he uh, he finished third in the Formula Two Championship this season, uh, which which he was the highest placed rookie uh, uh, with because you have uh, Mick Schumacher who who won the championship. It was I believe it's his second year in there, so. So as a rookie, a third place is pretty good, and yeah. uh, so he's able to be now promoted up to the big, the big show, Formula mm-hmm. One. So, but I think Red the, Bull loves the rookies. They do, so. they do. So, um, but uh, I guess not enough because <laughs> in in the the big Uh-oh. Red Bull seat, we have Alex Albon losing out to Sergio Perez. So, yeah, that's a well, it's. Sad for for Albon. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like. I mean, this is the, you had Pierre Gasly struggling with with Red Bull, and you know he you went to AlphaTauri and got his first ever race win this year, and yeah. seems to be doing really well. So it's it just seems like a really high pressure situation to be in that Red Bull seat. I mean, you have a lot of expectations around you. You have Max Verstappen, who's obviously very fast and is is uh well very well ingrained in the team and how they set up the car and everything so yeah it's gonna hard to be hard to ever just come in there and try to try to beat someone at kind of their own game basically um but yeah i mean maybe give him another year i mean i believe he's still he's not like kicked out of red bull forever i think he still has an opportunity maybe to come back in in the years to come but at least for next season, short term, there they just want a, a kind of a maybe a more proven commodity in Sergio Perez, which you know he showed a really good performance at that second to last race of the season and uh, yep. got his first ever win. So maybe maybe more wins to come from him, and maybe yeah. he can push Verstappen 
and to and make the whole team just hopefully more consistent finishers because you know Verstappen had a lot of incidents this year that prevented some good points finishes and then when you have your second car just struggling to be in the top 10 it's going to be hard to be competitive at least in the constructor constructor standpoint so right. Right. so yeah the, that's kind of your major f1 news there and yeah outside of hamilton's seat i think basically everyone's confirmed there so i think we're we we got some interesting uh driver comments we got fernando alonso potentially the one of the if not the greatest driver in the world coming back to formula one yeah i mean certainly if you ever watch a broadcast of any of them, IndyCar <laughs> or IMSA and Daytona when he hops in. Certainly seems like it. Yeah, yeah. He, All he, the news is on him. He's, he has a lot of popularity, that's for sure, and definitely a great driver. Oh, absolutely. It's just not even the greatest of drivers can beat a Mercedes when you're driving a Renault. So, But yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, they got some po- Renault's got some podiums this year, so we, we could see Alonso on the podium again potentially mm-hmm. next year. I think a lot of people would love to see that. Um, yeah, and potentially at the front, still going to be the same. Hamilton, Botas, probably just running away from it. But there's some changes there. They, they got rid of their dual-axis steering. They can't use it. Um, there's some aero rules updates where the floor can't – they got rid of kind of some areas where they can shape the floor and also reduce the size of it. So, uh, so I mean, it's not going to just be – Although the manufacturers can, they can use their, the same monocoque, the same tub as before. Um, there's still some changes that maybe some teams can take advantage of. So, right. But, but we'll see. We'll see. It, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of a short off season. You don't have to wait too long. In March, I believe, is when uh, Australia, I guess, might be, and who knows with, with COVID and everything. But right. I think everyone's kind of figured out how to kind of work around it, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But mm-hmm. no, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. And, for the most part, anyway. Yeah, and then uh, I guess to, to finish it off with some last pro news, I mean, in IMSA, there's some changes coming in for – I mean, I think – previously announced but another classing structure now you have some lm the lmp3 cars joining uh the main imza show yep yeah the the weather tech yep paddock so that would be interesting to see that um so yeah that's i think there's a lot to look forward to next season there always is can't wait i mean daytona kind of around the corner yeah, kind of. Um, you know, I mean, we we mentioned this in one of them, but they they pushed it back towards the end of January. Yeah, later so later than usual, but later than usual, but still, there you go. You're back at it in January. So. Yeah. So. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah, there might be. I mean, there's always going to be news in the racing world. So whether it's amateur or pro, we'll be we'll be here to to give our our two cents. That's right. So that's about all it's worth, too. Yeah, that's 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 about all it's worth. <laughs> actually, I mean, I'd take one cent. I mean, yeah, I mean, like one for each of us. That's about yeah. all it's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but yeah, well, for our for our for our one cent each, we'll we'll still be here. Yep. Just because we can't stop talking about cars, and <laughs> not many people want to listen to us just talk about cars for hours. So 
Yeah, I mean, realistically, everybody tells us to shut up when we're in public, so we just do this, and yeah, if you're interested, you can tune in. Yeah, so, so it works out. So yeah, we'll be. Uh, yeah, we got a couple episodes in the bag bag now. We'll keep we'll keep going, and yeah, uh, yeah thank you for uh, for listening to this one. It was another long one, but yeah, another long one. We're all it's about despite giving, our best efforts. <laughs> yeah, we're all about bringing you guys all the content we can. So that's right. So. Yeah, well, until next time, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys again. Thanks for tuning in.